those two are connected and that I'm trying to manipulate people into going to first service. That's not who I am, guys. <clears throat> I don't try to coerce or manipulate or anything. I'm just asking my wife. It's not who I am. So, but with that being said, um, during first service, before first service, for the month of February, we're going to be giving away free specialty coffees just because we want to. So there you go. Um, <clears throat> some things that I noticed this, this week, there was a bunch of stuff that happened this week, just, just crazy stuff. Um, England has taken off all mandate restrictions, uh, uh, vaccine passports, everything, taken off the table. And, and uh, Ireland followed suit. Um, and America is still dragging their feet. England and Ireland are setting the example for us. Something's wrong there, right? Um, now, I did go do a little bit of investigation. Why, why was England so much, you know, about this? Because that, that does not seem like the leaders uh, in England. That does not seem like a, a uh, Boris Johnson move, right? Well, about four or five hours before that, in the parliament, one of the uh, ministers stood up and said... Um, because of the mandates, because of all the stuff, it's, it's, it's hurting us, closing down commerce, all kinds of things. And he basically said, uh, we are calling um, for your resignation. <clears throat> and like four or five hours later, Boris is like, you know what, I got a new idea. <laughs> no rules whatsoever, let's just go free. Like kind of like a free country, but not quite, but, but mostly. So, so I did mention last week that, um, and this, I, I really think this is very, very important. I don't think I don't think we're seeing how important this is, but I mentioned last week that there's a specific federal agency that uh, Biden started about three weeks ago that is going to be registering Christians so that they have a database of who the Christians are, and this was their statement, um, in case of a, a, a future government emergency. All right, now, now many of you started getting online and, and doing things and checking, which I, I love that one when that happens. Um, and some of you sent me stuff, and I got, even from people that listen online, I got some emails and some things. And so I did a little more investigation than just that. And here is, here's the rest of that story. It's not just that one government agency that I talked about last week. Um, 25 federal agencies are tracking employees with a religious exemption request. These are some of the agencies that are doing this, <clears throat> the Department of Justice, Health and Human Services, Housing and Urban Development, urban development. Why, why do they need to know I'm a Christian? Health and Human, I mean, uh, Transportation Department, why does the Transportation Department need to know I'm a Christian? What emergency is going to arise in the Transportation Department that it is vital they know I'm a Christian? The Treasury Department, the Social Security Administration, the Federal Election Committee. Why does the Election Committee need to know I'm a Christian? What emergency is going to arise in the election process that they need to be able to separate me out as a Christian and know that I'm a Christian? As I've been, I've been looking at this and studying this, reading a lot of, of, over the last few months. In fact, I'm going to be doing a uh, series not, not this next week, but starting two weeks from now, I'm going to be doing a series about some of this kind of stuff. 
But um, uh, some of this um, uh, mentality of, of, of mass confusion and uh, mass psychosis and some of that kind of stuff, it's becoming a popular conversation again. It was really, really popular conversation um, at the end of World War II because they were trying to figure out why could an entire country, Germany, embrace the extermination of a, of a people group called the Jews? Why, how does that happen? Um, then you've got um, uh, Soyeski that wrote um, Gulag Archipelago. And um, yeah, that word. And, uh, and he talked about the same thing in Russia. How can you have a, a, uh, a group of people that will watch the, the destruction, the extermination of entire people groups. Russia was, was about genocide with probably seven or eight different people groups um, during that time frame. And how do you do this? And I've been studying this and studying this, and it's interesting that all the data, all the information, all the stuff that's being written. You know, there was a, there was a, uh, a thing of papers called the, the Auschwitz Protocols that was passed around during that time frame, went to all the government leaders, and specifically the Hungarian government leaders, because they were shipping the Hungarian Jews to Auschwitz and taking them straight into gas chambers, straight into the ovens and cooking them. Um, uh, Joseph Mengele was getting, uh, doing all kinds of weird surgeries and stuff with no anesthesia, and all this on these Jews to the points of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands. And, and even FDR had, had a copy of these and had a... a, um, a um, delegation of people that escaped from Auschwitz with first-hand experience and came and sat down with, well, at least with FDR's advisors. Couldn't get a meeting with FDR. That's important. And, uh, and FDR just kept turning a blind eye, turning a blind eye, would not help the Jews, as did most countries around the world, until the end of World War II. Just do a little study on some of this stuff, guys. It's crazy. And interestingly, all the stuff that, that you would see during that time frame is exactly what we're seeing now. And our country is going, they're pointing at guys like me when I say this stuff, and they go, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. It's not that bad. I hope and pray that 20 years from now, we sit back and say, boy, Pastor Scott really went over the top. And then we just laugh and laugh. But I don't think that's what's going to happen. I really think we have come to a place in our country where the gloves are off and the demonic influences through society are, are going to destroy, starting with the Christians, are going to destroy our society. They're already destroying our society, our culture. But to literally build databases that tell you who the Christians are? Guys, that should scare us. Okay. There, I said it. I'll tell you another interesting thing that happened this week. And, and here's, a, here's another thing. We're not getting any of this information in the United States, none of it. I get, I get three different Jerusalem, uh, Israeli uh, newspapers, and um, you're not hearing any of this in America. But the Houthis just attacked Saudi Arabia, probably the largest um, attack to, on the Saudi Arabians in their history. We're not hearing that at all in America. And the Houthis is the same as Hamas. They're both backed by Iran. Iran is basically attacking Saudi Arabia. You say, well, does that matter to us? If, if that's, where, that's where it's all going down, guys. We pay too much attention to America when it comes to end-time events. And we think, well, the, the end is coming. Why? Because I'm seeing this in America. You're looking at the wrong place. You've got to pay attention to Jerusalem. 
to Israel. That's where it's going down, and that's what's happening, that these things should concern us. All right, I'm finished with that. Let me go to my message. In looking at these filters, and, and, um, and the question I keep asking is, what makes me me? Why do I think the way that I do? Why do I... Why do I uh, process information this way? Why do I think this is good or bad? How, how, what, you know, here's, a, here's one that maybe I haven't thought about. Why do you believe Jesus is God? And I'm hoping everybody in this room believes Jesus is God. If not, um, pray right now. We're going to pray at the end. You can definitely make that decision. But why? Why do you come to the conclusion? Some people, I grew up in the church, and, and I came to the conclusion early, got away from God, and then came back to that. But some people don't grow up in the church, and they have this, you know, this revelation of Jesus uh, later in life. This is the interesting thing for me, is there's so many layers to that. So much stuff that the Lord is doing, the Holy Spirit is constantly working on every human on the planet, constantly. And all the different layers of filters and things that make us us. And then one day you say, I, I believe that Jesus is God. That's a, that's a major thing. And in some aspects, it doesn't make sense. I've, I've encouraged us with this before. Um, go to explain to somebody that's never, ever heard about Jesus. Just go explain the things about Jesus that you think are important and some of the spiritual disciplines you have. When you say them out loud, they make no sense. You ever process some of that? It really doesn't make sense. The Holy Spirit has to open their heart for that because it's, it just doesn't make sense. That, that this guy that died 2,000 years ago somehow sets you free of sin today? That there was a lot of people that died 2,000 years ago. Why does that matter? Well, the reason is because he was God. You're saying a dude was God. Yes, and you start talking about this stuff, and people start going, hmm, doesn't quite make sense to me, right? But then the Holy Spirit puts it in your heart and reveals it to you that this is truth. And it's not just truth, it's absolute truth. It, it eclipses everything else. So what makes you you? Why do you think the way that you do? How do you come to the conclusion, dude, there's, there's millions and millions of filters in your existence that, that just are just your past, your life, your experiences, good and bad, all these things. And then when you see something or hear something, there's two things that happen. One is it becomes another filter, but also you have to disseminate that information. But when you disseminate that information, you're doing that through all of the filters. You're doing that through all the stuff that is you, and that's, how, that's what your worldview is, is how you get this information in here through all of this stuff. That becomes the way you look at life and the world. And so the three things I've been mentioning over these last few weeks that I really, I really believe that the Lord wants to do with us this year is that Jesus is going to set you on a path of, of health and wholeness. We, we really need some, some uh, mental, emotional, spiritual health, physical too, um, and wholeness. We really do need some... We need some right thinking. We need some... some I, I've been talking a lot about, you know, the, 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 the joy of the Lord. I'm going to end up with that this morning. How the joy... We should have joy in our life. We should have peace in our life. And when you look across the church, we just don't really have that much. It should be. Scripture says that it's, it's ingrained. When you let Jesus take over, this is what happens. He brings peace in your life. He brings joy. He brings purpose. He brings all this stuff. But we have depression going off the charts and suicide going off the charts in the church. One of the big things that we've been seeing over the last couple of years is the suicide rate with pastors. Something's wrong. If this is such a message of joy and peace and freedom, spiritual liberation, why? 
Why is it not happening in the church? These are, these, are, these are things we've got to go down this road. We've got to process this. I also believe that Jesus is going to empower you with the Holy Spirit this year in, in just bigger ways than he's done before. Maybe some of you for the first time ever, he's just really going to jump in and, 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 and empower you for all the things that is what he does. Um, that's another message. But Jesus is also going to use you to minister to others in new and exciting ways. I, I really think that. Um, I think you're going to be surprised at the end of this year. I'm kind of looking forward to it for myself to say, God, use me in ways that I didn't even see coming this year. Do some stuff. You, you, get me out of my comfort zone and have me talk to somebody or pray or do something that can really connect people with you and, uh, and look for those opportunities. So that, that being the, the, the idea, that being the stuff, that's why I'm, I'm doing this series is what, what can help us or what is hindering us from seeing that stuff and from understanding that God wants to do this stuff? Satan doesn't want these things to happen. Now, everything about how we serve Jesus is completely dependent upon how we see Jesus. How we look at Scripture, how we read Scripture and understand Scripture is, is directly related to how we perceive it. Do you go into it expecting it to be some truth and some not, some true stories, some not true stories? It's amazing how much of the church world does not believe that the Bible stories are true, that they are, they're like metaphor, they're all this kind of stuff, and that uh, it's more like Aesop's fables with a good God kick at the end. I mean, that's kind of how they perceive it. A lot of theologians perceive it that way. I, that's not me. I believe the Bible is true, every bit of it. In fact, I'm one of those crazy fanatics that believe that Jesus created the world in seven literal days. I know that's weird nowadays, and that we're supposed to believe it took, well, it depends on who you're talking about, you know, 138 million years, 47 bazillion years, or whatever. I literally think Jesus did it in seven literal days. I'm crazy that way. And that Adam and Eve were real people. I believe that. It kind of helps me believe a lot of other stuff later, too, if you start there. So how you look at God, how you, and here's, the, here's what we're going to focus in on today. Last week, I talked about pride. Um, pride is really, I've been talking about the, the what and the why, like what is the sin, but what I'm trying to get us to process is not just what sin or what did I do or how do I think here, but why. Why do I have a propensity toward that? Why is that a weakness for me? Why do I think this way? Not just what do I think, but why do I think it? I, I, if, you, if you don't go to that why step, you, you may be able to, like you say, well, I have an issue with anger. Okay, you have an issue with anger. That's the what. You can work on that, pray about that, work on that, get your plans, develop all this kind of stuff, and you will be able to, to work on it a little bit. But until you get to the why, why do I have an issue with anger? You, you're never really going to be able to, to to, um, to, to work, to fix that, to really get that taken care of under the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to lead you to why do you think that way? That's his, that's his desire. That's his plan. And so last week I talked about pride. That's more of a uh, why than it is a what, right? Pride does the what stuff. Like I talked about last week, pride hurts our relationships. Pride puts us in a place where, where we, we're, we're in a... Um, our back's against the wall and there's not a way out until you let that pride break, right? We've all been there. Pride is the why to the what. Well, this, this morning for forgiveness, forgiveness can be both. Forgiveness can be the what and the why. 
lot of times, but the, a lot of the stuff in our Christian walk is hindered greatly because of the concept, not whether we forgive or not, that's part of the subject, and I'll unpack that, but forgiveness in a, in a big picture kind of sense. And so, how do I look at grace? How do I look at forgiveness? Do I think forgiveness is for everybody? Um, you, you ask that question, you can, you can kind of get to the end of that question fairly quickly. Do you believe Jesus forgives everybody? Well, sure, yeah. Um, why do you believe that? Well, the Bible tells me. Okay, then you start like naming people. The easiest way is jump all the way to the, to the far side of that, whatever that is. Do you believe Jesus forgives somebody like Hitler? I've had people say, nope. Well, you've got to be careful with this because that is, that is a decision that you made about a limitation of what Jesus says. It's not a limitation in his word, but you put the limitation on it. Jesus forgives, but there comes a point somewhere there's an invisible line between a person Jesus forgives and a person Jesus doesn't, right? You got to be careful of that because when you start drawing that line, it includes you. And I'll, I'll unpack that a little bit more too. But how do, you, how do you look at God? Do you think that God is um, a forgiver or not? Do you think he's angry or not? Do you think he's stern or not? Do you think he's loving or not? All these kind of things. Um, it's interesting that whichever side of this you land on determines the way you do a lot of stuff. How you look at God when it comes to forgiveness and grace and all this determines a lot of the way you live your life. I've even seen it all the way into marriage. I've seen it into parenting things where if you think that God is this stern, um, uh, immovable God, you, you'll have a tendency to, to treat your marriage that way or your, or your children that way. If you think that God is just this uh, full of grace and nothing is, nothing is bad, then you, you treat your children that way. Well, you don't discipline your children. Why? Because God doesn't discipline me. I can do whatever I want. You see how all these things affect everything that we are, right? And so I've noticed in, in, even in my own personal grace journey, I guess I would say that, is that I struggled with this specifically years ago. I really struggled with this. I struggled with the concept of forgiving others because I struggled with the concept of being forgiven. I, if you would have sat down and asked me, do you believe Jesus forgives everybody? Sure. Um, do you, and I didn't even have a problem. Do you think Jesus forgives Hitlers? Sure, I do. If Hitler said, Jesus, forgive me, Jesus will forgive him just like he'll forgive anybody else. I didn't have a problem with that. I still don't have a problem with that. I don't necessarily like it. I don't, I don't think pedophiles should be forgiven. But Jesus didn't ask me. He just forgives because he's a graceful forgiving God. That's why Jesus died on the cross. Jesus didn't die on the cross to catch us doing something wrong. He had already caught us doing something wrong. It started in the garden. He's got plenty of, of bad information on you. He doesn't need more. He came to the cross. He came to this earth to die on the cross so that he could forgive you of that stuff. If his goal wasn't to forgive you, he would have done something else. But he wouldn't have chosen himself as the sacrifice unless he really wanted to forgive. But I struggled with that. And, it, and, I, and, I, and if you would have asked me, I would have said, no, Jesus forgives everything. And you personally, yeah, Jesus forgive me of anything. But here's what was going on in the back of my mind was I had done whatever I'd done, sin. Well, then I asked for forgiveness and I sinned again. And it, and it got to a point where I knew when I was asking for forgiveness, I was still going to do that. Right? And, and I know what Scripture says. Hebrews 10 says, if you continue to sin willfully, Jesus stops forgiving you. 
You're like, it says that? Yeah, it does, verse 26. So, so that's where I kind of knew that I was not, I was being hypocritical. And what I thought was, is you could layer enough hypocrisy up on itself, upon itself, upon itself, till finally Jesus got to the point and he says, I'm done with you. I can't break through that much hypocrisy. That's the way I personally um, embrace this. And it, and it took a few years of the Lord really working on me with this. And I was being intentional about pursuing the Lord in this to really show me he, he forgives. I'm the one who was holding this against me. I was saying to Jesus, Jesus, you, this, is your, this is your standard, right? This is where you forgive up to here, but God, I'm here. So I was raising the standard higher than Jesus had. Because I, was, I, was, I knew better than Jesus. Now, I had no problem. God could forgive Zach all day long. I had no problem with that. But forgiving me was the problem. Right? And so even forgiving others, it was directly related to all of this. How do you forgive others if you can't even forgive yourself? Or if you don't think Jesus can forgive? So, uh, let's jump into this. The first thing <clears throat> is that forgiveness is a choice. And I'm going to try to do some like apologetics at the beginning. So I'm going to try to prove something to you and push you enough. But, but here's what I have learned over the years. I can give you scripture all day long for something until you let the Holy Spirit get in there and really start working, get rooting around in there in your mind, your spirit. And scripture won't even be alive inside of you until you let the Holy Spirit do that. It, it can just literally be words on a page. But when you let the Holy Spirit do some stuff, it's amazing how quickly he can change you and, 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 and fix some things and do some stuff. And so the first thing is that forgiveness is a choice. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, this is the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, everything that follows that is in that category, right? Under that covering. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In fact, it's all under the preceding verses category, but that's a bigger subject for this than this morning. So may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what are these things? What are these things that the Lord has said, this is my will, and you need to pray it into existence? It already exists. It's already happening in, 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 uh, outside of us, outside of this uh, that we're in. And he says, pray it into existence here. The first one, give us today the food we need. The Lord already has a plan. He said he's going to provide for us. He's going to take care. His children will never have to beg for bread. All these different things, right? Our responsibility is to pray that into existence, specifically when it doesn't seem to be happening. It's still God's will. He still established it, but it's not happening here with me, okay? Then pray it into existence. That's what he's saying. Then he says, and forgive us our sins, Peter says that the Lord is not willing that anybody should perish. He said that's why Jesus hasn't come back yet. It's not because he forgot what he was doing. It's because he's been patient with you and I because he doesn't want anybody to go to hell. That's what Peter said. Jesus died on the cross for everyone. That's a major theological thing that we believe that not all church groups believe. Jesus died for everybody, not a select few, not some people, not the remnant or any of the things that people... Jesus died for everybody. And Paul said that it is, <clears throat> it is predestined for every human being to know Jesus Christ. It's the only time in the New Testament we see a concept of predestination. Now, some people believe it 100%. I don't believe in predestination. 
The only thing that I believe is what Paul said. That every human being is predestined to know Jesus. We are created in the image of God. We are created to look and be like him. We are created to follow him. And when Jesus came to this earth to follow the example that he gave us, that is, that is God's plan for every one of us. He wants to forgive our sins. So our responsibility is to pray that into existence. First with us, it's called repentance. And then you pray for somebody else till they repent. Okay? And then he says to forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. It's like a little wrench thrown in there. Well, Jesus, don't you just forgive me? Yes. Of what? Of however much you believe in grace. I will this is the way with anything about God. It is limited to how much you believe it. How much you think about it. It's not who God is. Even seeing Jesus. Jesus is limited in your understanding. Jesus is limited to you, to your understanding. Jesus is not limited. <clears throat> He's He's the all-consuming one. He's the beginning and the end. Everything, everything about Jesus is, is majestic and, and transcendent, supernatural and everything. But here's the thing. Why isn't that always happening in my life? Because I don't see Jesus that way. We don't even pray oftentimes for things that Jesus said he was going to do for us. He even tells us that. You don't have it because you don't pray. You don't ask. In our life, Jesus is going to be limited to how we see him how we understand him, how we embrace him. That's why you should always be praying, Lord, open my eyes to see you better, to see you bigger, to see you clearer. I want to know you more, not less. I want to know you more. Reveal yourself more to me because we will always be limited to how we understand him or how we see him. If you don't believe in healing, you won't pray for healing. If you don't believe in forgiveness, you won't pray for forgiveness, right? I mean, we, we know this. We just don't process it this way. So he says, I'm going to forgive your sins. How much? As much as you allow me to. Well then, Jesus, I want you to forgive me 100%. Do we? The way that we have to ask that question is, do we really want 100% grace and forgiveness in our life? This is where it comes to forgiving others. If you say, well, I want 100% grace and forgiveness in my life, but not in their life. I don't want to forgive them. See, we have this weird thing. And by the way, this isn't just about forgiveness. This is about everything in Christianity. And this is a bizarre thinking. It's not scriptural, but it's very Western humanistic. Is that we think that the things of God come to us. When Jesus says over and over about everything, that the things of God flow through us. Not to us, but through us. That's why we think we have built a Christianity that says, I can love God with everything about me and not care any whether my neighbor goes to hell. And I am being obedient to love God, love your neighbor. Because we think we're the destination, we're the stopping point for God's love. You're not the stopping point. If you think you're the stopping point, you're not really embracing the love of God. You're embracing something very selfish, very self-focused and humanistic. To embrace the love of God, you have to realize it flows through you, not to you. To embrace forgiveness, for me, it has to flow through me to other people. And that's how I can be forgiven. And that's why Jesus says, you pray, Lord, forgive me in the, the same vein or with the same 
uh, amount of forgiveness that I extend to others. As it flows through me. If I want 20% forgiveness, because that's how much is flowing through me, that's all that gets to me. Because the, it's, if we stop up grace, it stops grace. If we stop up forgiveness, it stops forgiveness. And these are Jesus' words. He said, forgive my sins as I forgive others. In the same amount that I forgive others. He says, don't <clears throat> lead... Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Verse 14, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Now look at this. I know this goes against our Christianity, but if you refuse to forgive others, or our, our perception of Christianity, if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. As we have got to get this. This is hurting us so much as the church. It is hurting us that we are willing to stop what the Lord is doing in our personal spiritual walk because we can't forgive somebody else. Now, I get the reasons. I've, this is one of the biggest things I've struggled with over my life is forgiveness. And I revisit this a couple of times a year. Um, one of the things, I said this over the last couple of weeks, I gave you some questions. If, if, if when this happens, you think of, of somebody or you think of this moment. Or, well, that's the same thing with, with this. If I say right now, um, who have you not forgiven? And somebody pops into your head, you should at least consider the fact that you need to talk to God about that, right? I'm not saying that just because I say that and somebody pops into your head means you haven't forgiven them, but... You probably had to deal with it at some time in the past if they're still popping in your head. If you haven't, you need to go there. Why did that person come into your mind when, when I started talking about forgiving? Why did they pop into your mind? Say, oh, it's just coincidence. Really? Really? Have they ever done anything wrong to you? Yeah, but that's coincidence too. Really? At what point do you go, okay, maybe, maybe I need to deal with this? And this is something that I do on a regular basis because I know my propensity here. Let me tell you a little bit about me. This is transparency. You may not like this. You may not like me after this. But I, I don't do well with if somebody wrongs me. I mean really wrongs me. I don't mean like just irritates me or something. But I'm mean saying really wrongs me. You're dead to me. That's my heart. I don't like that. I don't want to be that way. And I have a very graceful wife that helps me with this. But if you really, really hurt me, my mentality is, I'll be nice to you. I'll be polite to you. But mm, I don't care. You're nothing to me after that. You, you think I'm joking. Ask my wife. She, she tells me all the time, really? Really? That's, that's how you're going to live? Pastor? She always uses that word. Very rarely she ever said pastor like that, that it was positive. <laughs> but here's the thing that I found is here's what happens is when you have that mentality, it affects your marriage, it affects your, your children, it affects your relationships, and it obviously affects you as a pastor. You can't think like that. You can't have that. And so, so what do I do? I visit this subject regularly in my life. Lord, I don't want to have unforgiveness because it doesn't, it only hurts me. Help me to be a forgiving, graceful person. Help me to, to let grace flow through my life to other people. Now, here's the reality. We have to go down this road because 
it is such a big deal for us. I understand why it's so easy to not forgive, specifically when it's a very egregious thing. There are stuff in this room right here that um, situations of, of abuse, physical, sexual abuse, all kinds of stuff. I I already told you earlier, I don't like the fact that Jesus forgives pedophiles. I, I really wish he didn't. But here's what happens is when you start going down the road of those people, whoever they are, don't deserve to be forgiven, you better be careful because somebody might be thinking that about you. And if humans get to make the rules... Well, then you can't be forgiven any more than somebody else can be forgiven. But here's the cool thing. Jesus doesn't let people make the rules. He makes the rules and he forgives. But here's what happens in our heart and our mind. There is a strong feeling that if we truly forgive, what we're doing is we're giving, we're, we're letting them off the hook. And I, and I get that, I understand that. But here, here's what happens. Let's go to the, the next little part of scripture. Luke chapter 6, verse 37. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Now, this judging word, this word judge here, really means like um, uh, holding a ruler up to somebody, okay? holding a standard of some type up to somebody. And basically what we do is we, we have our criteria, our, our belief system, and we hold that up to somebody else, and we say, they should think and believe or do what I think. And so we hold the ruler up. And Jesus says, when you hold the ruler up, when you judge somebody else, the only thing that happens, the Lord does not hold those people accountable for your ruler. What he does is he takes your ruler and he holds you accountable for it. You brought it to the table. The Lord didn't and the other people didn't. But when you bring the ruler to the table, <coughs> Jesus says, okay, I didn't want to do this, but you made the decision. Now I'm going to hold you accountable for that ruler. <clears throat> and and that's, not, that's not the way we think about that kind of stuff. We think, well, they should. Okay, be careful when you start going into that uh, uh, arena. Now, I've had people say that means as Christians, we're never supposed to judge anybody for anything. That is not true. Scripture tells us to judge or to test the spirits. Scripture tells us to, to judge or to test somebody's uh, spiritual maturity in certain situations. That, Paul explains that to Timothy when it comes to spiritual leadership. You're supposed to analyze their life. For them to be in spiritual leadership, they have to be analyzed. So the idea that we're never supposed to judge anybody is wrong. But what Jesus says is be careful because when you pull out the ruler and hold it up to somebody else, it's going to be you that is being held accountable. Now, if what you do is you take Timothy, uh, Paul's words to Timothy in First and Second Timothy, and you hold that up to somebody, well, you're already being held accountable for that. Do you see the difference in the two? So Jesus says, don't judge others, or you will be judged for that. And then he says, <clears throat> don't condemn others, or it'll be come back against you. It doesn't have anything to do with them. And here's the thing, you really process this. You realize you don't have any ability, you don't have the power or the authority to condemn somebody. You might can condemn them in your heart, but you can't actually condemn somebody. Do you think when we get to eternity, Jesus is going to say, oh, by the way, Scott, what did you think about this person? Really? But he says, when you condemn somebody, all you're doing is you're taking that criteria and you're holding it up against you and you're condemning yourself. And by the way, you can condemn yourself. 
you can't condemn somebody else. Everything that we do, it, it is about, it is back on us, not on them. And then he says, forgive others and you will be forgiven. The criteria is, is what you establish. Do you want grace moving through your life? Yes, then it'll move to others. You forgive others and you'll be forgiven. You don't forgive others and you aren't forgiven. It's not because Jesus doesn't want to forgive you. It's because you're saying, I don't really believe in forgiveness. You can't believe in forgiveness only for you. That literally makes no sense. Now, it's very humanistic American thinking, very much. I'll take everything for me and just forget everybody else. But Jesus said, that's not, that's not real. That's not truth. If you forgive others, you'll be forgiven. If you don't, you won't. This, this is something that is extremely important for us. <clears throat> he says, give and you will receive. Now, almost always, this next part of Scripture has to, people use it in the context of money. And I think it applies to money, but that is not what Jesus is talking about. What is he talking about here? Judging others, condemning others, or forgiving what are you going to do? And then he says, give and you'll receive. Give what? Give forgiveness. He's not talking about money. Now, I, I have used this in the context of money because I think it applies. Because there are certain overarching um, laws that God establishes all through Scripture, like the law of, of uh, sowing and reaping, right? That can apply to money. But what he's talking about here is not a financial thing. He's talking about how we interact with other people, and the law of sowing and reaping. So then he says, and we always only take this in a positive sense. He says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Whatever you gave will return to you. Well, he just gave two negative gives and one positive give. Judging and condemning or what was given. And then he says, and uh, forgiveness. So in other words, this scripture can be applied to all three of these. I know that totally goes against specifically Pentecostal charismatic thought process. I know it does. I've been doing this 51 years. I know it does. But here's something we've got to embrace is if scripture says this, we got to get it. He says, you judge others, it only comes back to you. You condemn others, it only comes back to you. You forgive others, and by the way, that also comes back to you. Forgiveness can be. He says, your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. Now, what do you want poured into your lap? Judgment? Condemnation? Or forgiveness? And obviously, I'm hoping that's rhetorical. Some are like, no, nah, I'll take judgment. Guys, we know this. Now, I believe it, it applies to finances too, but here's the thing. It, it, do you realize that what God starts with is what you give him? It's not what he gives you. He starts with what you give him. And then he takes that and he multiplies that. So you say, well, I'm going to forgive others. How much? A little bit. So then he takes a little bit of forgiveness and he pushes it in, presses it down, adds to it, shakes it together, all that stuff, until it's running over, and then he pours it into your lap. And this is the way, because money does this for us quicker. I'll say it about money. I've said this for years. Which would you rather have? You take a penny, 
and put it in there. And then God presses it down, shakes it together, clink, 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 clink. And then adds to it until it's running over so that your pennies running over. Or would you like to start with $1 million and put that in there and push it down, press it together, shake it until it's, and the Lord adds to it until it's running over. I mean, it's obvious when we think about it with money, we get it real quick. But here's the thing. What about the other stuff in our life? What about things like love? Do you want to start with a little bit of love and the Lord adds to it? Or just everything you can love with? I mean, we, right, we know this. <clears throat> we know it intuitively, but we don't apply it. I'm gonna, whatever I start with is what God uses to, to blossom out and to bless me with. If you're starting with unforgiveness, <coughs> he can't even forgive you. He can't even forgive you. If you're starting with no grace, then there's no grace. If you're starting with unforgiveness, then that's all you have is unforgiveness. There's nothing to add to it. To, to make it bigger into our existence. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> then the last little part of this, this is actually the sentence that starts the next paragraph, but I believe it applies because he says, then Jesus gave the following illustration. I think what he's saying is about the, what he just said. So this sentence, to me, is about what Jesus just said. And he said, can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? As I, I, I've seen this in my own life, and I see this across the church, where we've got things like pride and unforgiveness, and then we're trying to lead others in, those, in a, the arena of Christianity, but those are our foundations. And it's blind leading the blind. The way to change that is you, is you open up, or however you want to visualize that, the concept of grace, and you begin to forgive. Now, somebody asked me after first service, and I think this is very important, so I want to make sure that I clarify this. It doesn't mean, because he felt like I was saying um, <clears throat> that the Lord will not forgive you until you have completely uh, worked through every single thing and forgiven every single person on every single issue. Well, it doesn't work that way with really anything. It doesn't work that way with sin. Jesus doesn't wait until you're completely sin-free to forgive you. He starts forgiving you and starts the process of regeneration and forgiveness and grace and mercy. He starts the process. But here's the thing. The, ver the verse that I quoted out of Hebrews chapter 10, he knows when your heart's right and when your heart's not. That's the key. He knows if you really want to be forgiven or you have no desire, you're just saying it because you feel guilty. Right? It's the same way with forgiveness. Start the process and the Lord brings forgiveness into your life. In fact, to me, that's when he starts the pressing down and shaking together until it's running over so that by the time you get farther into that, you've got forgiveness and grace running over like crazy in your existence. That kind of makes sense, right? That's how he does with everything else in our life. He doesn't wait till we get it all fixed. He says, you start the process with me and I can fill that thing up and run it over faster than you can imagine. But you've got to start it with me. And you've got to be honest with the Lord when you're doing this. The third thing <clears throat> is that forgiveness brings peace. And, and this, is, this is the part I think we're just, we're just missing so much in our society. We talk about, and, and, I've, and I've heard people say this, and I've felt this myself too, 
But I've heard, I've heard people say this, that when Jesus forgave me, it's like he took a big load off of my life, this big burden, this, and I felt free, I felt liberated, I felt forgiven. You know, I, I don't hear that as much from people nowadays. What I hear now is, I'm going to church, but I'm still very depressed, I'm still broken, I still have no joy, I have no peace, and then things like suicide are going off the church in the church. And I think part of the reason with this, I think there's a few reasons. One of these is obviously got to be forgiveness. I'm going to show you this. But we're not letting the joy of the Lord. I, I read this a few weeks ago in Psalms 51. The, 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 uh, Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Why don't we have the joy of salvation in our life? Maybe somewhere along the line, we haven't really processed what salvation is. It's not just going to a church and singing some songs. This is, I, and I put this at the feet of the church in America today. We're not talking about, you're a sinner, you need to be forgiven. We don't talk about that because we don't want to say that. We don't, because, because then people will say, if I'm a sinner, what am I doing wrong? Well, let's look in Scripture at all the stuff. There's a lot of things that are off the table nowadays. We're not allowed to talk to them about sin. Did you know Canada just made it two weeks ago, just made it against the law for a psychologist or a psychiatrist in counseling with somebody from the LGBT community. They have made it against the law to ever say anything close to this could be a wrong choice you have made. If they say to somebody homosexual, this is a choice you've made and it's wrong. Or Jesus can save you, or you can get out of this lifestyle, or you can be forgiven. They can be put in jail for two years and have up to a $250,000 fine. This is law in Canada. And we wonder why we don't have any joy and peace in the church. We want, because we're embracing all these things that are destroying people. It's called sin. It is destructive. Satan is trying to steal, kill, and destroy, and he uses sin to do it. But, but we've got a lot of sins that are off the table nowadays. They're specifically written in Scripture, but we take them off the table. <clears throat> then how do I speak truth to somebody? How do they get the peace that Christ brings or the joy that comes from being forgiven and salvation? How, how do they get to that if we're not allowed to say there is such a thing as sin and it's destroying you? We don't get there. And so what we have <coughs> is a bunch of people that are becoming part of a, a group called the church, but there's not, they're not being saved. They're not being set free. They're not being a new person in Christ Jesus. They're just going to church because it's kind of cool. When, when, when does that change? He says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. We don't do that very well. <clears throat> we just don't. I was driving down the road the other day, and you know when, there's, when two lanes are merging together, how do you do it? Like a zipper. One, 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 one. And there was these two cars in front of me that were bound and determined they were not going to let those people in. And I thought, jerks. You're just jerks. Open the zipper up and let them in. But we don't like, why? Because we don't want, we don't, as human beings, we do not like to be nice. We pick on people, specifically people that we think are in a different 
category as us. I mentioned this. I, I was driving through some construction a couple months ago, and I, we were all kind of stopped and barely moving, and I just called one of the construction over, guys over and just talked to him a little bit. How's your day going? All that kind of stuff. And he said, and after I was all done, he sat there for a little bit, and uh, he didn't speak English real well, so we were struggling back and forth, and, and um, I was speaking enough Spanish to really confuse him. <laughs> and so <clears throat> we were talking back and forth, and by the time I finished the conversation, I just told him, I said, I'm going to pray for you, Dean. He said, man, thank you for that. Thank you for stopping and talking. Because those are people we ignore, right? What about waiters and waitresses at restaurants? They're, they're lower class. We ignore them. Why? They're humans. And you better be careful. Have you ever thought about being mean to a waiter or waitress is really stupid? <laughs> they are going to be bringing you something you're going to put in your mouth. You better think it through. But it's weird how we do this kind of stuff. Look at what he says. He says, make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Do you really believe in forgiveness? He forgave you. Do you believe in it? Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Do you see all this stuff before it? The next step is that it brings peace. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace. Always be thankful. Romans 12, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. These are people that are actually persecuting you. Not the people who won't let you in on the freeway. This is people actually persecuting you. He says, bless them. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. See, this has always been one of the tests for me personally. How do I know if I've forgiven somebody? This is not an all-inclusive thing. I don't, I can't, this is just one of the things that I've used over the years. It's been a big one for me, is if I've got something against somebody and I'm working on, on uh, forgiving them, can I pray that God will just bless them? No strings attached, right? Now, what is God's ultimate will with everybody? To save their soul. That's the biggest blessing that somebody can have, to save their soul, to forgive them. To, 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 to completely wipe the slate clean. That's Jesus' desire for everybody. And that's where we get stuck is, if I forgive them, then Jesus will be too nice. Isn't that, isn't that what Jonah said? Isn't that exactly the problem he had? Jesus, you're just a pushover. If you did things like I thought, Jesus, we'd have some structure around here, some discipline. Right? Because why? God, is, God wants to forgive us. We just don't want him to forgive the person that's wronged us. So here's what I always do is, I, is, can I pray God bless them? Just how you want, God. Just do some big stuff. Just however you want, bless them. Because I always said, now God bless them. Now you know what they did, God. So they probably need some punishment before they get blessed. <laughs> God, I get that. I pray your will, and I know your will is to punish them. You know, it's, it's amazing how we can do that, right? Consciously, subconsciously. I think what we do is we just don't pray. It's easier just not to pray than to say, God bless them, and really mean it. But that's a litmus test I've always used for myself. Have I really forgiven them? Well, then God bless them. Even step it up a little bit. This will really get you. God bless them even more than, than they deserve. Think about something you really, really want. God bless them with a brand new Jeep. Right? I'm serious. 
You, you, you want a million dollars? Bless them with a million. You can't even get it out of your mouth unless you truly have forgiven them. Right? Really, really think about this. <clears throat> Where was I? 50. Be happy with those that are happy. Weep with those that weep. We don't, I don't have a problem being happy with people that are happy. Linda's really good at weeping with those who weep. In fact, she'll start it for you. So <laughs> live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. I love that sentence because I consider myself ordinary people. And if you can't deal with me, it's your problem. And don't think you know it all. Let's move on. Never pay back <laughs> evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. They are thirsty, give them something to drink. And doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Now be careful, because when I first read that years ago, when I got to that part, I was like, that's what I'm talking about right there. If I do good to them, then they will have hot burning coals on their head. If you're going down that road, you've missed it. You've missed the point. Okay? He says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Why don't you stand with me? <clears throat> I'm going to ask you a question here in a second, but I want us to pray first. God, we, we submit ourselves to you. Lord, for, for all through this room, Lord, I, I know that you're doing things. I know that you're working on hearts, minds. So, Lord, we need your help because this is not easy. This is not easy. But, Lord, I know for me personally it is so liberating when I let you be in charge. When I let you take the stuff I'm holding on to, the unforgiveness, when I, when I let you take that, it is so freeing. It brings joy. It brings peace. God, open our hearts up for this. In the name of Jesus. So keep your head bowed, and I want to ask you this. Put a little step to your faith here. <clears throat> I think this is kind of the category where it's necessary. You see, I, I'm really dealing with this. I, I'm, I need to forgive. You don't, you don't have to, whoever's praying for you in a little bit, you don't have to explain who or what or whatever the case is. But you say, this is something the Lord's working on about, and I need to forgive. I need to go down that road. Um, I, I want to ask you to step out, come down front, and we're going to pray for you. I know this is not easy, but to say, I need to forgive. I really need to go down this road. because I know there are many of us. Not one or two, but many of us. <clears throat> yeah, just line up along the front here and we're just going to have people pray for you.
as I said, this is something that I, in my personal walk, I, I visit this subject at least a couple times a year because I know, I know my propensity here. I know I'm, I'm more apt to not forgive than I am to forgive. So I've got to visit this. And here's something else. Just because you've forgiven somebody doesn't mean you don't have to circle back around maybe later and re- revisit that. It's amazing how Satan will try to use something against you that, you that you've already dealt with. He brings the same junk and stuff to the surface and you just got to go there again. I'm not going to move on yet. Don't worry about what somebody else is thinking or how they're processing this. This is vital for you. This is necessary for you. Important for you. Okay, I want to have um, some of you, if you would be willing to, come and pray. Just stand behind them. You don't have to ask them what's going on. You don't. But just to just to pray for them, pray with them, pray for them, and just trust that God's going to do something here. Now, for you guys that are praying, and for for you sitting out there, standing out there, that. And I'm, I'm not trying to be pejorative here, but you should have come forward and you didn't. Just talk to God about this. Right where you're standing, talk to God about this. And what we're doing today is starting the process. You may really get to a finalization quickly on this, but this may be the beginning of a few weeks. Some of the stuff for me took years. I started processing, it took years. I'm probably more hard-headed than most people, but it took years. So what we're doing is we're opening our hearts up to God and saying, God, I need you to take this. Right, Lord, we, we just submit our soul, our Christianity. We submit our minds to you. We submit those people to you, that person. We submit that moment or maybe a series of moments to you. God, that, that I'm not the one in charge. I'm not the judge. You are. And so, Lord, I ask you to help me, help every one of us in here. Help us to let it go. To turn them over to you. Whatever they need, whatever your plan is, you will take care of. God, help us to to reject the the Jonah mentality, that you're going to be too easy. Lord, help us to reject that. You're the one that's in charge. You are. So God, let grace begin to flow through me. Let it flow through me. Let your forgiveness flow through me. Open up the the gates that I have closed. And Lord, bring back the joy of your salvation. The beautifulness of your forgiveness. I pray that every person here 
they can, they can literally feel themselves letting go. Holy Spirit, you've got to do this. You've got to get in there, and you've got to do this. We cannot do this by ourselves. We're not big enough. We're not capable enough. But Holy Spirit, you're the everything. You're the all-powerful. Just wash us. Cover us with your blood, Jesus. And just wash us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. That as you fill us with your Spirit, you bring power and you bring revelation. You bring peace. That you bring power for us to deal with the stuff. Revelation of what it is. God, show us. Show us, show us deeper than what we just casually think about this. Help us to go deeper and understand it spiritually. Understand on a few different levels. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. God, and I pray that we will begin to process this, not just right now, but we'll let you work on us through this week, through this next few weeks, months, however long it takes, Lord, that we will open up our spirit to you more and more every day, and that you will work on this. That we can be a forgiver. That we can be a grace person. Lord, that we pray that you forgive us as we forgive others. So Lord, help us to forgive others. In the name of Jesus. take us from here full of your Holy Spirit ready to deal with the stuff as we lay our head on our pillow tonight Lord remind us we can do this we can do this if we'll let you be in charge for all of you that are praying up here take your time don't rush Way. But uh, for everybody else, um, be respectful of these, but if you need to take off, you're definitely welcome to do that. And uh, we will see you Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your day. Mm-hmm.